We are geek-centric, and you can be too. This is the way. Welcome, geeks, to a very special geek-centric podcast. This is Watch Club, The Mandalorian, Season 2. What's up, geeks? My name is Nate, and today we're going to talk all about The Mandalorian, Episode 1, titled Chapter 9. This is our deep dive series where we're really going to kind of uh, focus in on all the different things that matter uh, and all the things that we enjoyed and maybe didn't enjoy. Um, if you haven't watched the episode yet, please, this is uh, your spoiler warning now. We will be going into full spoilers jump into your razor crest fly really high get a get a good camtono of spice and uh and enjoy it's the first episode of season two uh, and then come back here and make sure you you listen to uh to myself and uh my wonderful uh well he's not a guest host <laughs> with the most <laughs> jayla the the jedi journalist i don't know I'm, oh that's I'm so bad with the that's is, that, is that okay that's okay that's i know suitable. we've used a few of those before yeah, right yeah, it's, at least it's not jovial <laughs> <laughs> it's always jovial. jovial how you doing it's uh, doing good doing good it's yeah. just the two of us today we should probably yes. point that out uh, kev's yes. been caught up doing his kev at home video yes. so we want him to uh keep focus on that so we thought we would jump on and uh just offer up a very quick snackable episode uh mm. where we where we this will be a regular this will be the regular of how we do these watch clubs uh we might we might sandwich in some other stuff but like very just this is what the episode is about it is going to yeah. be a little overview uh of this episode and all the episodes as we get into season two um so i'm i'm excited to to talk about it because some cool stuff happened and this episode some was really cool stuff happened this yeah episode was much longer than uh the half hour episode I, I i imagine you did what i did which was uh watch season one prior to getting into this um, i watched uh yeah i watched all the episodes that matter and i'm gonna get into that when we talk about uh you know kind of getting into what worked and what didn't work with the episode so i will i will right. definitely reference that um right. but yeah i mean going back to just as a quick overview, season one, uh, of course, we had uh, some really great, great moments and some really not as great moments. Um, but I think overall, it was a really good sort of test, I think, for, you know, a, a, almost like a pilot season in a way. For sure. Uh, to yeah. see what will fans respond to, what do they like, what don't they like. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, right off the bat, you know, before we get into the, the details about the episode, I do think this episode did and didn't learn from some of the mistakes of season one um, and, and some of the, the, the ways that I think I personally want storytelling to go forward with this season. I mean, 
I think it's yet to be seen if we're going to get that um, or if we are just going to kind of stick to the sort of story of the week situation. And what do you, how do you feel about it? Well, I see what you mean, right? Like, yeah. you know, kind of as a high level review, because I had a chance to rewatch season one as well. Um, and, you know, watching it in a more compressed time frame, one after the other, uh, you really start to see how the season of, of eight episodes is really made up of four narrative episodes, like yeah. four episodes that are very important to the to the overall story of season one, and then four episodes that are more just um, material to kind of help round out where we are in this Star sure. Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it they they try to you know find a balance with you know giving you that traditional Star Wars theme story while also giving you something that just kind of gives you a little taste of what this uh what the universe is and that's exactly how i would say season one plays as it's a taste it's a taste of a new star wars a a new way to see that galaxy through this new medium of like episodic you know weekly half hour digestible episodes that try to carry something over that being said i agree with you with this episode you know there's there's things that you know, I was hoping that with season two, as we get into it, it would focus more on, you know, where we left off in season in season one with this high level sort of this is your mission. This is what you need to do. And yeah. really all the following episodes of season two to really focus on that. And at the beginning, it started like that. And then it went it back into its traditional sort of fold of like. Oh, he has to do something so he can get something. It was like a video game, right? Sure. Like, here's your main yep. storyline. Oh, wait, but you have a sub sort side of like mission. Yeah. side mission that you have to do so that before yeah. you can get back to your storyline, like it kind of felt like that. But that being said, I, I enjoyed the characters that we were introduced to and, and the world that we were introduced to. But but Justin, I, I, I will say like, I love the comparison to the video game because even in the first season, we had moments of like he's leveling up, he gets his jetpack, like you know, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. much like a, a video game. But but this felt more like a DLC side mission when I actually wanted the beginning of the next game. You know what right. I mean? Like I wanted the sequel. I didn't want another side mission. I didn't want DLC. Um, and so uh, you know, getting getting into this. Um, I think what really speaks to what I want is what the recap for season one really shows. When you watch this episode, they play a recap at the beginning. And none of the recap was from episodes four, five, and six. None of it. No, right. Yeah. Um, it was episodes one to three and seven and eight. And those are the ones that that really, really actually mattered, um, you know, for for a little bit of context. Of course, there's a character that we'll talk about that I was a little not as uh, stoked to see uh, <laughs> reprising again, being back in this. But um, but but I think it was just one of those things where, as you said, they're building out the world. They're fleshing it out so that we can. Even if we are seeing these side things, we'll come back to it and maybe they'll play a bigger part uh, in the overall story. Let's start off with that opening. Um, I, I love the Gamorrean guard fight at the beginning, yeah. like just the whole aspect seeing like I think one of the big things that works so well about the opening of this uh, this season or this episode was the the going into the outer rim, going into the seedy underbelly of Star Wars, mm-hmm. which we didn't really get to see too much of that in the main Star Wars narrative. Uh, of course, you've got Jabba's palace and 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 uh, the cantina, but you know, I felt like something that was really lacking from the sequel series was all of the really interesting, dynamic, different alien species, and I love that we kind of got. A bunch of all of that uh, in this first scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did you think about this uh, this first moment? Yeah, I, this at this point it felt more like something that was from 
like a darker interpretation from like something like a Clone Wars, you know, or a, a, a Rebels. Yeah. Um, you know, like obviously both of those are animated and very kid friendly, so they don't necessarily skew too dark. But this this felt very gritty and like, you know, mob like this, this scene, it. like very yeah. like a mob scene. Um, yeah. You know, he's obviously going to acquire some information from a very reputable uh, gangster source by the looks of it. And, you right. know, what better what better venue for him to acquire information than like an ultimate fighting uh, sort of uh, experience with Glamorians. <laughs> like it's it's pretty uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, you know, to see that sort of the world uh, that that part of the galaxy, uh, as you said, like something that's obviously very hinted at throughout the Star Wars mythology of what we've what we've learned you know like characters like han solo like i could see him being in a you know in a venue like that right yeah Uh, yeah you know so that's that is cool that is cool that gives us that that other sort of perspective um i also like just how in that scene he seems very ruthless um you know like he's obviously someone of high standards and 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 sort of etiquette and uh politeness but if you rub him the wrong way or if you get Mando in a corner, he's, you know, going to fight. And that's what he demonstrated, which I love how he shoots the light and then just walks away. And then you see oh, all the so red good. eyes just surround. Absolutely. Yeah. It was and really, it's like because really I, I, I thought he was going to shoot him down, but then he actually sure. shoots the light and yeah. just walks away. No remorse. And just yeah. And I love his fighting style, too. Like you mentioned him, him fighting uh, in that moment. Uh, against all those guys that were, you know, attacking the, maybe part of that, maybe the Abyssin's gang or whatever, uh, and uh, and just the way that he like he, he he headbutts the guy's fist because he knows that his helmet is so strong that he's going to break his fist, and mm. then he gets punched again, but then he gets punched into the Twi'lek that you know he, it's just so cool to see him using the armor and using that physicality that way. Um, fun fact, by the way, the Abyssin, which is the name of the one-eyed alien, mm-hmm. is played by none other. Then John Leguizamo, which like, Sweet. yeah, like you couldn't even, I couldn't even recognize that guy's voice. I wanted to, I didn't have a chance to go back and rewatch that scene, but I kind of want to go back and rewatch it to try and see if I can hear no, that. That makes sense. Favreau and him are very, very, very yeah. good friends uh, since Chef and uh, they've been good friends even before that. So that's, that's great that he, he was able to make a, a cameo in it. Very cool. That's cool. Now moving moving right along, of course, um, you know, and, and I think one of the things that didn't work for me w- throughout this entire episode um, was a lack of uh, motivation in terms of understanding, okay, what does Mando need to be doing right now? Mando's quest is to find the child's uh, family or find out where he comes from. And the fact that he's like, I need to find a Mandalorian, it's like, well, well, no, he didn't want to find, he didn't want to find, so like that's, that was the thing that kind of, I think gets muddled. It's that yeah, his task is obviously to find uh, the, where where the child has come from and his 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 being, so that he can potentially reunite them. Right. Um, but he knows that the way to do that is with the help of what of what other what whatever Mandalorians are still in existence. Because ever since events of what happened on Navarro, and basically. Without necessarily confirming or denying, the armorer said that many of the Mandalorians, you know, got off planet. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that now the Mandalorians are no longer this group. They've they've been forced to scatter. And I think what his mission is is not to just reunite, obviously, the child with his people, but also to find his his own people. What's right. left of these Mandalorians that could potentially be a resource to help him. Yeah, he got a hot he got, tip. 
which led him to to the Abyssin, right? To John Leguizamo's character, and then and then that is where. So I just feel like again because we were kind of dropped into this moment, maybe there could right. have been a little more context given to that. Sure. Um, because again, when when you when you have such a muddy um, motivation for your main character, when it's not as clear for the audience, it does make it a little bit harder for you to sort of connect. Hundred percent. Like, okay, I know what he's doing, right? Hundred um, percent. I only yeah. think the reason I got that was a having just watched right chapter eight then watching the recap as i got into chapter nine which also mm-hmm. reiterated some of those highlighted points um so i think like again it's 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 a little muddled I, I'm, I'm i'm interested to see how the mandalorian are going to help him right um down the road so that that's going to be very interesting but yeah he gets a hot tip that takes him to a familiar planet and back to Tatooine. Why do we back? always want to go back to Tatooine? Uh, it's pretty cool, though. You know? it, was, it was cool. Like I, Again, I, I hope fans didn't... Uh, I haven't really read too much online about how fans reacted to this episode, but hopefully they didn't uh, tear it apart for its fan service. Because there was a couple... There was at least one cool thing that was fan right. service in that. That's right. There's a lot yeah. of Easter eggs in this episode, and yeah. I'll definitely name a few. But I do think, like speaking of fan service, and the last time we really talked about fan service on Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 1 was talking about Episode 5. Right. And I do think this episode, uh, again, high level, is a combination of the best parts of 4 and 5. And in a way, it does pretty much the plot of Episode 4 of Season 1, where they go to the town and hmm. they save the townsfolk. It really does feel like a better version of that. Uh, because we, we, you know, we come back to Peli Mato is her name, played by Amy Sedaris. Uh, who, like, I gotta just say really quick, I think I like her. I like her character. I don't like her acting. The timing is not there, and she's very, she's just mm. a lot. She's too much for, for this. She sticks out in this, yeah. uh, in this show. Um, and so, yeah, so I was a little disappointed to see her again, even though I have nothing against, <laughs> I have nothing against Amy Sedaris. If you're listening, uh, you're great. I'm sure you're fantastic in other things, but, um, I just don't necessarily think that, <laughs> The that the way that that character is portrayed necessarily fits. Um, yeah, but I, I think it, I think it just it shows that you know Mando is is going around. He's making friends. He's he's yes. making connections, and yep. you know there are people that do not mind him and care for him, and also care for the child. Right? Like they've all been you know touched by the child. Right? right. She was more yeah. she was more ecstatic to see the child. They know that there's something special about it. Fun fact again, and speaking about Easter eggs, and I'll I'll, I'll sort of pepper these throughout. Our, uh, our watch club here, but um, R5 makes an appearance. Um, Red uh, yeah. is what he's called uh, from Pizzo. From, and it's cool. You see the burn mark on the back of his little his yeah, little yeah. head. So like where he exploded and had a bad motivator and he's uh-huh. still not doing too well. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun to see. He's still slow. <laughs> he's still very slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get into this town of, I think it's called Mon Pele, Mon something. I don't know. Um, and the camera keeps like focusing in on different townspeople as they sort of give them the side eye. And there's one that it sort of lingers on a little bit too long. And one of the cool things is um, another Easter egg, again, filled with Easter eggs this episode. Um, Sam Witwer, uh, who voices Darth Maul in the, the Clone, you know, uh, Clone Wars series and Rebels, uh, is in this episode. And he's cool. just sort of staring back at Mando. Um, as he, you know, as, as, as he starts approaching through the town, he gets into a bar, sees, uh, sees, a I don't remember what that name of that species is, but he kind of looks like a ugly Star Trek character. And, uh, and then, 
and then and then we get this really cool moment. Yeah, this is uh, this is what you're obviously referencing where we where we meet the marshal of the town, yes. right? So what I love about it is that they really set it up like a western, right? Like yeah. he he's coming into this town not really knowing anything. He's looking for information. We're introduced to the marshal uh, who is played by Timothy Oliphant, who his name is uh, Cobb Vanth, and he's wearing Boba Fett's armor, um, and obviously. Mando being part of his creed wants that armor back because it belongs to his people. Yeah. Um, and they work out a deal. Cobb works out a deal to asks Mando for his help to basically uh, help eliminate a giant sand dragon that has been terrorizing the town and and causing a lot of problems and this is a really interesting sort of thing it's like this is where it kind of falls back into that typical sort of you know mando uh, aspect where it's like his 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 current mission is now sidetracked because he now needs to help you know Cobb with this issue so that he can then get this armor back which again he was going to look for mandalorians and he he is now clearly aware that Cobb is not a Mandalorian. Yeah, he's I just, mean, did you, he's just wearing yeah, Mandalorian armor. Right. When right? you see this guy walk into the room, what did you, did you think like, wow, Boba Fett's back? Like, no, like, no, he's so not. skinny yeah. and like, so it yeah. didn't fit him right. And it just looks so weird. I was yeah. like, his story like, though, his story of yeah. how he got the armor from the Jawas was, cool. was really great. Right. Like, like, I think what's really great is that Mando kind of identified uh, with Cobb his own struggles to kind of keep his people together right like he he's acting as a marshal because you know his own people have been terrorized not just by this huge dragon launch but by from outsiders uh and since the the empire fell that we're now trying to just kind of swoop in and and take control of this town the objective of the episode then becomes that uh mando is going to help Cobb. Uh, with this situation which uh, you know what like honestly it, even as as i was kind of like oh man this is like another like one of those like okay this is his his thing for the week yeah. right but then i was like oh it actually it actually really turned out really 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 good i actually really enjoyed it it didn't come off cheesy the whole no, sort yeah. of process so um but yeah like the sand people become very integral in this yes. in this whole process and 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 Mando being a bridge between the sand people and cops people and this right. town right because there's already uh, a heightened sort of resistance to for these two to have to work together but they they both have a common threat and and it's and it's uh, it's inhibiting on their quality of life if you will um, and very very much like a very much like a, a western right like we, exactly. we see our our western cowboy you know, hero yeah. who speaks the native tongue, uh, which I thought was amazing, by the way, that the way that they went in depth and really focused on saying like, no, no, no the sand people aren't just these like creepy dudes that that hunt people like, no, no, no these are this is a culture of people that have grown and, and lived uh, in the Dune Sea for, for as long as they have. And um, and they, they have their own ways. And those ways are scary to some people. But if you actually take the time to get to know them, they're actual, they're just another different culture. Uh, and I, I really like that. Yeah. They gave, they gave the Sam, like this episode did more for sand people than it did for <laughs> Mando than yeah. it did for, cause like it, it treated the sand people as almost like natives or aboriginals, yep. right. Yep. With, with having their home sort of, uh, 
uh, tormented and taken up and, you know, them relying on their own traditions to keep themselves alive. Right. Yeah. So uh, they're not the murderous kidnapping, you know, sort of ravaging people. That they we are. See them as, yeah. Yeah. As 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 the Star Wars canon might have yeah. already depicted them in certain cases. Right. Because yeah. they were always the villain. You actually had empathy for uh for their for their for their race so it was, it was actually kind of cool i was i thought that was a really interesting part now one of the funny things you mentioned uh we, we you know talking about how the the show is like a video game the the crate dragon which is the the large creature um right. which by the way is the same thing that we see in a new hope uh the giant skeleton that's in the sand as as r2 and c3po are walking uh and get lost um that crate dragon, obviously a much bigger version of the crate dragon than the one that they were walking by. Um, but the actual plot to put bombs in the ground and blow up the crate dragon is actually from a video game. It's actually from uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and it's a side mission, um, right? So it's just kind of funny that that how that's all kind of coming through. And I, I don't know if that was done on purpose or if that was, um, you know, something that, that they looked up or they, they referenced. Um, I just got to say, though, like, couple things that really stood out to me in this episode that I just thought were so cool. Can we talk about the speeder bike? Cobb Vanth has a speeder bike that's made out of a pod racing engine. It's it's actually supposed to be Anakin's. It's oh his my old, gosh. It's, I, I've, uh, what I was reading is that that is 100% the same engine that Anakin so had. Cool. So, so whether, you know, again... It's just funny because they, obviously Cobb has no association with Anakin Skywalker or anything right. like that. And but it's he's on just Tatooine. funny. But he's on Tatooine. And to yeah. see that that element from the prequels suddenly show yeah. up as his engine for the bike, I was like, because yeah. even the sound was the same, right? Like that's right? what set it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he skimmed by, I'm like, yo, that's the same one. So I looked it up. And yeah, apparently it is the exact same, whether it is the engine from from his Dude. like there there would be some sort of indication maybe the colors or something i really enjoyed that and i also like again just the way that he talks about getting the armor um yeah there again there was so much into this episode to love uh and to to really enjoy um and again we we kind of get to see the 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 crate dragon those poor banthas though i must say um, I felt really bad for the Banthas. <laughs> they were just used. They were just yeah. used. Yeah. And like, this is the first time you get to see like right up into one of their faces. And I'm like, mm. it just looks like a poor little cow. Like, I feel so bad about it. But, um, but yeah, some of the cool things, like again, they're walking or th- whenever they travel, they do travel in a straight line uh, to hide their numbers. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do think like, again, there's so many little, so so many little tidbits in this, but I think they were sprinkled throughout in a way that didn't feel overdone. Like, we kind of talked about uh, in our review of episode five in season one, where we felt like it was a lot more. You, you did, you did. I did. Okay, fine. Did. But, but Justin, can, but, but can you not? Can you not admit that the fan service in episode five was done the way it was, and that this, this, this fan service was done to show a lot of these things in a new light? Like again, having the the crate dragon and having the 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 Tuscan Raiders um, and and exploring their culture and and kind of giving you know R five like an actual purpose and like again these are these are more subtle ways to kind of show those nods whereas I again I really did feel in episode five that they were very tacked on but maybe um, I, I think I think yeah. it's just a lens it's just a lens right of how we look yeah. at it like you might be looking at episode five differently because like I don't know like having just come right off of watching them you know yeah. I don't think the fan again I watched it 
even after and I was like, man, I remember us talking a lot about fan service and I was just like, yeah, wasn't that much. Right. Whereas like obviously in, in this one too, it's like it had the right amount. Like at least I appreciated it. I appreciated what I noticed um, yeah. and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think that's up for debate, but you know, like the, the whole sequence as you know, they get into the, the, the thick of the mission yeah. of lining, you know, lining the dirt with the, with the bombs. And you see the, you see these, you know, obviously these two cultures working together to overcome cool. their problems. It was, it was, it was really, really cool. cool. And, yeah. you know, obviously you have Mando and, and, uh, Cobb, you know, with their, with their Mandalorian armor going at it. And that was really cool. I mean, cool when they're sequence. flying through the sky, right? Sure. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. to see, to see them both like flying at the same time and like just doing all the, and then to see him use the, use the actual thing on, on Boba Fett's like helmet where the, the little, over and bend yeah. over and fire. And I, I, <laughs> it was I a little bit w- cheesy the first time, but the second time he did it against the crate dragon was cool. But, but honestly yeah. though, even the first time seeing it, it just like, I chuckled cause it just yeah. makes you, it makes you laugh at how ridiculous that is. It's like the yeah. toy, right? The yeah. toy, the original Kenner toy when you'd have to like bend him and then he would fire the, <laughs> fire the missile. Like it's, it's, it, it reminded the me same of that. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think, I think, you know, speaking of the engineering of that, um, I love the callback where, He's uh, he's standing there and and, you know, the Mandalorian, you know, Din Djarin just simply smacks him in the back and he starts, you know, Cobb Vance just starts flying up in the air. The call back to, to when it yep. happened to Boba, yep. right? With, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 with yeah, a yeah, blind yeah. Han Solo doing the same thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then, yeah. And then, I mean, speaking of of Boba Fett. Yeah. So like, yeah, we get to the end of this episode. They've obviously achieved you know their goal they've destroyed the crate dragon everyone's happy and mando gets the armor and says you know what i hope our paths cross again um, or cobb says that which is you know i think a nice foreshadow that we will see we will cobb see him again, see him again. honestly timothy oliphant shout out to timothy oliphant because that was great. cool he was he so was good great. I yeah. was so I was so impressed with how good he was. As Mando gets on his speeder bike and he zips off, we see that someone is watching, yeah. um, and he turns around, and it's presumably uh, I would assume, and I think everyone assumed this, but it's Boba Fett. It, it is has Boba to Fett. be. It is a hundred percent. It can't it, be it a just clone. Makes sense. No, no. Right? Everyone was saying, "Oh, could be a clone," and I'm like, I don't, I don't see why that, why, why you would draw such a relevance of a having Cobb Vant in, yeah. in Boba Fett's armor. Which yeah. then makes you think, okay, so did he die, or did the Jawas just, you know, find find his his armor? Okay, so they right. probably just found his armor, and I think part of Boba Fett trying to strip himself and kind of go back to new, right. maybe, but or maybe, well, you know, like what what do we? Where do you think that this is gonna go? Because I feel like is now is this gonna become like Boba's mission to like get his armor back? <laughs> do you know what I, mean? I think like, right, yeah. <laughs> I think honestly, it would be cool to see him don the armor again. Or at least you know, at least the the helmet or something. But um, but you know, s- seeing him, he's all scarred up and he's he's definitely damaged. Um, I think the fact that the Jawas found his armor and the fact that there was that callback or that reference, I guess, to uh, to Cobb Vance saying, you know, um, you know, how does a how does a Sarlacc pit get empty? And then, well, if the crate dragon eats the Sarlacc, right? And so maybe that maybe that's what happened. Maybe the the crate dragon spit some acid. On this, you know, on the Sarlacc, and then it burned away the Sarlacc, but maybe Boba Fett was still okay because of his yeah. armor, you know, like, well, or something that, like that. That to me, that to me is like, until we actually get a definitive, it's all just speculation, right? Sure, like it's absolutely. All, like, we obviously know it doesn't matter. He's alive, right? Yeah. So we will probably, at, maybe at some point, find out why. But the real reason, like, the, again, regardless of how, what is his purpose? Like, even my brother-in-law was saying to me after, like, he watched it as well, and he's like, is that it? 
Is that all we get? I is it, think, is it no. just is, the, is gonna, it just that one scene? And yeah. now you know it's going to go back to him doing his thing and getting this mission. And maybe towards the end, or maybe not even. It's like next season we get yeah. we get that other bit of that story. I I, I find that far fetched as well because um, I feel like there's going he's something's going to bring him back to Tatooine that's going to be very integral. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us off Tatooine. I don't think we're going back to Tatooine. I really do think, and we see the in the preview for the for this season, we get to see him uh, the Mandalorian on a boat uh, with a bunch of Corrin. Now, if you've watched. Uh, Clone Wars, of course, you know that the Corrin um, are, you know, they're they're a water dwelling species. And where do we know a lot of water? Camino. And mm. when we saw um, the 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 scientist in the first, I can't remember his name right now, um, but we saw the scientist in the first season wearing the Camino badge. Yeah. And there was that big rumor, like, oh, are they trying to clone the child? Like, is that what they're trying to do? And I mean, how or is the how, child a clone? Right? Sure. Like, and how yeah. much does that fit into Boba Fett's storyline? Right. So I do think we're going to be going to Camino, and I think Boba Fett is going to have a big part to play in this overall situation that's going to be going on with cloning and with uh, Doctor Pershing. I remembered his name, uh, and 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 everything to do with maybe that's where the child comes from. Sure. Well, right? I, I agree. I don't think that the child comes from Tatooine. Don't don't right. get me wrong. Yeah. But you know, I think we're going to see Cobb again. We're gonna mm-hmm. see. We're gonna see potentially Boba again. Um, oh, definitely. It's just uh, just a matter of what is going to bring him back to Tatooine. Do you know what I mean? Are we gonna have another one of those moments where he needs to get the band together and he has to go around to all of these planets and right. loop in his team? Right. Like kind of like, like kind of like the previous season. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So we we don't know. So again, without getting too far, obviously, into the speculation side, which we can obviously spend a lot of time doing. I think I hope we get more of you know this this arc of a story. Yes. Right. So, yeah, um, I mean, listen, if this was if this episode was them saying, cool, we're going to we want to do this. This is how we introduce this character. This is how we bring in Boba Fett. This is how we do this. Cool. Get that out of the way. And now from now on, please, 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 John Favreau, please, Dave Filoni, just give us that overarching storyline where it, it it follows this this more linear path. Um, and you know what? If we listen, I'll take even one more episode if it means that we just, you know, we aren't kind of straying too far over and over and over again. At least that's what it felt like for the, the majority of the middle of season one. Um, Justin, let's move into our, like our final thoughts here. I, I just want to know what didn't you like? What was your favorite thing? And uh, and what would you give it as a, uh, a rating? Uh, which, by the way, we're going to be doing Sacrificed Banthas as our rating for this Watch Club episode. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, I'd say something I, I obviously love, the cliffhanger of introducing uh, the potential of Boba Fett being alive. Yeah. Um, I loved Cobb Vanth and, and his character, so I think that's two there. Uh, mm-hmm. Things that didn't work, I, I don't know if I could really say that there was anything that didn't work for me. There's nothing that I kind of didn't like. I guess, again, like I said, the idea that he came to Tatooine on a very specific mission that ended up just kind of getting overhalted. Um, yeah. But at least he made a friend, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I guess he sure. made a friend. And I did I did like that friend. So I don't know if I would necessarily gauge that as a problem of something that I didn't like uh, or did like, whatever. But um, I think, you know, uh, if there is a task or a mission, or if there is a theme or, or an overarched narrative, I just hope that they can really hone in on that because I think the first two episodes of this season should really just like in the first two episodes of season one really set up 
this sort of relationship, even the first three episodes, right? Like, as mm-hmm. you were saying, it's one, two, and three, which really kind of set up that sort of, that whole, uh, what the arch is or what the theme is in the, in the, in the ep- a season. And then mm-hmm. you have these other two episodes that are very whatever. Right. Um, but seven and eight really kind of closing it out. I just hope that they can get to that formula, that formula of just having a very strong, uh, narrative that can carry me through right Mm because especially when you go when you go week to week um i think what stands out to me from previous is that when you go week to week they really did feel disjointed and not necessarily connected versus me sitting down and watching it succinctly as one it worked a lot better it worked a lot better it did work a lot better so i was actually surprised right because it it didn't it didn't it, it i didn't think it would so i'd give this episode four out of five sacrificed banthas. All right, all right. Right, like I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I think the performances were really great and I'm, I'm just glad that Mando's back. I'm excited to see where it goes. Cool, yeah, and I think, yeah, speaking of performances and making a new friend, um, I did think, yeah, Timothy Oliphant was a standout for me and I, I do really hope we do get to see Cobb Vanth again um, and again, his performance, right? Um, just, again, the last time we came to Tatooine and tried to make a friend, his performance was pretty pretty unfortunate uh, and left a bad taste in our mouth and I think I think that was part of the the things that I didn't enjoy about this episode really were again some of the reminders of some of the weaker points of season one um, that just really really kind of brought back for me but I, the, the thing I will say about this episode is it does it does a lot of what four and five in the first season tried to achieve way better uh, and I really really enjoyed the exploring the cultural aspects of uh, of the Tuscan Raiders, I loved seeing the the town people, the townspeople react to the Death Star being blown up, right? And and seeing it almost like on a news report and things like that, and seeing some of the 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 you know the the seedy underbelly of the Outer Rim, and getting to see the the Gamorrean fight, and 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 seeing some some other aliens. So uh, again, I I like I like when they when they bring in all the fun fan stuff, but they do it in a way that is tasteful and explores, I think, the galaxy a lot more, which is really what Dave Filoni is known for in in Clone Wars and in Rebels, right? So uh, definitely more of that, please, uh, but maybe a little bit less of the DLC side mission stuff. Um, Overall, uh, I would say, again, I'm so stoked for more Boba Fett stuff. I hope we go to Kamino. Um, But I, 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 I didn't, think that this episode stood out as much for me. I do not think that any of this episodes, aside from maybe like a quick glance of Cobb Vanth and maybe Boba Fett will be in the recap for season three, episode one, if you get what I mean, right? Again, I don't think this episode is going to sort of have a too much, too much water uh, really when it comes to the overall narrative. So I give this episode a 3.5 sacrificed Banthas. <laughs> out of five but guys that's it uh we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of watch club uh here on the geek centric podcast if you did feel free to uh write in i'd love to know what did you think of this episode who was your favorite character who what didn't work for you and what do you think is going to happen uh with boba fett and the child how does that work together uh if you do want to let us know feel free to write in justin Something in the force. There's, there's something in the force that's tingling. Can you can you tell that's, us? That's what the is that? email. That's oh, the email address. Oh, perfect. And that Which email is? address is 
wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. All right. Well, listen, geeks, thank you so much for joining us for this first, very first episode. Looking forward to our next one. Uh, these are a lot of fun to do. And again, these are just kind of little side things for you to enjoy between our, our main episodes. Of course, if you're just tuning into this episode, we do have a regular podcast uh, that we do post usually once a week, maybe once every other week, um, called the Geek Centric Podcast, uh, which you should definitely check out with, uh, with Justin, Kevin, and I on it. Um, last week, we did our Halloween spooktacular where we recast uh, Casper 1995's Casper which definitely check that out I think mine was the best but Justin thinks uh, it was too weird uh, yeah, and weird. he doesn't he doesn't like the director that I chose so definitely check that out <laughs> um, but uh, but listen guys again thank you so much for joining us we'll see you on the next watch club and as we say love ya peace this, this is, is the way, way.